Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are live at the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin here. It is 7.35 Eastern Standard Time on Monday, October the 4th. And your Michigan State Spartans are 5-0. and Scott, how are we doing? Well, we're 5-0. and We are knocking on the door of the top 10, which it just seems like a foreign concept to me. Um, it's hard to believe. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're rolling on back to the big 10 this week, but before that, we're going to talk about this game. It was, uh, there were some highs, a couple lows, um, and, and some things, some that are going to drag into next week, unfortunately, which I'm sure a lot, most of the folks listening know what I'm talking about, but, um, in any case, great game and, uh, excited to, uh, to start breaking it down. Yeah, 13, 13 AP voters had us somewhere in the top 10. Our highest uh, ranking was number seven. That was from Dave Reardon and David Yablonski. So I appreciate their services to the AP poll. But um, no, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. We, we were just kind of going through it. And like if you told me, week five of this college football season, we would be five and zero and rank number 11 in the country. Um, I, I, I have no idea how I would have reacted to that message. If you told me that before the season, I definitely would have thought you were crazy, but um, here we are. And we have a couple like special talents that I, I really didn't expect to be this good. We'll, we'll get into all of it, but man, it is, it is a crazy time to be a Spartan fan. It seems like, you know, I was reading some of the things from like Corey Robinson and, and some of the guys over at 24-7. And, you know, there were a lot of recruiting visits the last couple of weeks. We had these two night games, um, a lot of people on campus. And the whole basically vibe, the whole energy from the recruits is that like Spartan Stadium is hopping. The, the fans are into it. Uh, the recruits are, are really digging the energy that's coming out. I, I think fans are as excited as I can ever remember, you know, going back to like those Rose Bowl teams and the college football playoff teams. The investment from the fan base right now in Michigan State football and Mel Tucker is unbelievably high. And when you get that like synergy between coach and fan base, it, it, I think it develops like a really nice comfort level where 
you know, this is looking way down the line, but I, I think Mel Tucker has a nice opportunity to be able to just continue molding this thing into exactly what he's looking for because he's definitely already getting that approval from the fan base and, and he can get just more and more comfortable in his skin in this program and, and, and keep building this thing out how he wants to because it's clearly working so far, whatever he's doing. So, yeah, number 11 ranked Michigan State Spartans heading into week six is, is something I didn't really expect to be saying. Yeah, and uh, obviously there's some factors that have uh, maybe paved the way for that a little bit. Specifically, I think at this point, I, I can't remember our exact season predictions. I think we both had us at four and one at this point. Um with that lone loss to Miami, obviously Miami is eesh, um, getting in their own way every week here. But uh, but in any case, I mean, year two, year one and a half, whatever you want to call it for Mel Tucker, uh, to be in this position is just so exciting. Tougher games ahead, though. Um, I think this is the last real – I don't want to call it a gimme, but it was kind of a gimme, the last real gimme on the schedule – uh, the rest of them we're going to have to earn. Rutgers and Indiana don't look like the best teams in the world, but they've they've held their own in most of their games, and, and we're going on the road to play both of them. So obviously we'll break down each game as it comes. But today we're here to talk about our 48-31 to 31 win over uh, Western Kentucky. And um, before we get into that, Kevin, I think you got something for the folks here. I do. And uh, before I do, again, just an apology because I, I feel obligated. I, I do feel bad about the audio. Like I've listened back to these podcasts. I'm like, it, it works, but it's not great. And this is the last podcast that I'll be on my headphone speakers. Uh, I'll be back home. I have a ooh, about a 15 hour travel day ahead of me today. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back with the microphone. Everything will be dandy. I really appreciate everybody sticking with us. It's not the most pleasant of listening experiences, but hopefully we make it worth your while. But Scott, DraftKings is here. DraftKings has a new promotion for us. And like we said, week five is in the past. Week six is coming up. If you want to get in on some of these picks Scott, I went 6-0 last week in the picks. If you guys want to start putting down some hard-earned cash, not very much, just a little bit of cash on some of these games to make it a little more interesting, uh, DraftKings is the place to do it. This week, you can jump in on betting $1 on any NFL game and win $100 if either team scores a point. Um, I, I can't remember the last 0-0 tie in the NFL. According to DraftKings, it was 1943. Uh, we'll just say say it like that, right? It, the, the odds of a 0-0 tie, not very likely. The odds of points, very likely. And the odds of you winning $100 with a $1 bet, probably very likely. So go to DraftKings Sportsbook. You can download the app now. Use promo code TPPN, thrown down $1 on any NFL game. This one has to be NFL specific. Any NFL game win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
All right, Scott, let's let's get into this game a little bit because we've we've been kind of itching to to talk about what happened and and it was another offensive explosion. It was another I, I mean just what 40 some points at the end of the first half and then kind of coasting on to victory from there. I I'm starting with an important question here. Um this is going to put you on the spot a little bit. So offense, we have two absolutely electric playmakers that seemingly make a play every time we need one. There's Jaden Reed with the punt return touchdown to start things off. And then he had that, you know, pass over to the sideline where he did that little stutter step and just blew by that dude. I, I, I stopped paying attention. I saw him going down towards the sideline. I saw four guys closing in on him. And I went down and looked at my, my phone to make a little note of the play. And I look up and he's in the end zone. <laughs> Wait, how did, how did he do that? He, his acceleration is just incredible. Kenneth Walker, the same deal. I mean, when he puts the foot, his foot in the ground, it, it's really hard to, to keep up with him. And he just has that, it is like sneaky speed because he is big and powerful. And, and when he makes that cut to go outside, it's really hard to keep up with him. And, and he obviously is great at making people miss and the whole nine yards. So Scott, we, we've talked about the impact of these guys on the season and the impact of potentially either or both of them leaving after this year. And I just want to kind of to bring this up. If you could wave your magic wand and keep one of these guys in East Lansing next season, so Jaden Reed, Kenneth Walker, two guys that I, I think a lot of fans would agree that could be heading to the NFL after this year. If you could wave the magic wand and keep one of them in East Lansing for at least one more season, which one would you choose and why? Uh, um, I think Kenneth Walker is more likely to leave. And I think I would be more likely to want him to stay a couple reasons. First and foremost, we have a lot of talented wide receivers. So none of them may, I don't think any of them measure up to Jaden Reed's level of talent, but Jalen Naylor, when he gets hot, can be great. Trey Mosley has been looking great, uh, especially as of late, and we've got a lot of younger guys that I know a lot of fans are excited to see come up through the ranks who just maybe don't have the space on uh, on the snap chart to, uh, to get on the field as much. So I think we'd be all right at wide receiver. Um, at running back, I can't necessarily say the same thing. Eli Collins is still out, so I don't know if it's injury or, again, if it's just narrowing the kind of the rotation here. But, you know, when Jordan Simmons gets the ball, it's a different offense and not in a, in a great way. And I, I know we've seen things from Jordan Simmons and, and maybe it'd be, he'd be a different back if he got more reps and got more fluidity and was playing behind the first string offensive line all the time. But um, he kind of has a tendency. I, I feel like every time he gets the ball, he should be screaming because he looks like he's just trying to run through a brick wall with his head down. Like <laughs> <laughs> he kind of picks his direction and then he just goes that way, regardless of what happens in front of him. Um, and now, I think, now I'm going to have that image in my head every time he touches the ball of him. just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just Braveheart style sprinting in one direction. Like he had one uh, on Saturday where the, there were holes on both sides of the line and it was like an inside zone run and he just slammed into the back of the guard 
Like, there are holes everywhere, and he just ran straight into the back of his own offensive lineman. And it's just – Kenneth Walker doesn't play the same way. He he finds those holes. Sometimes when it's not there, he manufactures it. You remember, you mentioned his ability to put his foot in the ground and just race you to the edge. Um, and we don't have other guys that can replace that, that level of uh, athleticism and production right now. Um, and I think that'd be a bigger loss. Um, we saw the offense last year, obviously – the offense had all kinds of issues last year, but we saw the running game last year and the running backs had a hard time getting going. And honestly, we haven't really seen outside of maybe one Jordan Simmons, I think get a good game against Youngstown state. We really haven't seen a running back get hot behind Kenneth Walker yet this season. Um, and I mean, I think you've got to take a good performance against Youngstown state with a huge grain of salt. Um, so, yeah, I think I would hold on to Kenneth Walker just for his ability to create in space in the backfield Jaden Reed's electric, but again, we've got good wide receivers behind him as well. Um, so I'm I'm sticking with uh, Kenny Cutback. Yeah, no, I love that nickname, by the way. The, the impact that Jaden Reed makes in special teams definitely has to be noted as well. But I, I, at the end of the day, I would probably agree with you. I think Walker's impact on this offense, like I, the one stat that I would love to see and that I just don't have access to um, or the patience to track myself would be, you know, the leaders in the country or whatever in the least amount of negative yards. Like if you just take how many times does he get stuffed at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage? Because I feel like Kenneth Walker hasn't had a single play where he gets he actually loses yards. I mean, he'll always make make one guy miss, maybe two break a tackle, fall forward, and it just seems like when you're giving the ball, it's like a minimum of two yards and a maximum of 80. It's a, it's a great place to be for a college football team, knowing that you can just hand it off to your guy and, and just keep moving the chains. Um, sticking with the offense, I, Peyton Thorne had an awesome game for most of it. One of the things that I mentioned, I, we were just talking about, I don't remember if it was on the Picks podcast or if it was on the preview um, we do a lot of these now and it, it starts blending together. But one thing I mentioned was I, I really wanted to see in a game against what, what's a pretty bad Western Kentucky defense. I really wanted to see Peyton Thorne and Jalen Naylor get on the same page, just hyper target him, figure out what it is in the game plan. The, the coaching staff just scheme up some plays targeting Jalen Naylor. It seems like that, that worked or that at least happened. Um, there were a lot of targets. There were, uh, I think he ended the game nailer with eight catches for 128 yards. Uh, seemingly those guys are, are kind of back on the same page. I, I hope that continues because something was definitely off early in the year. There was a lot of miscommunication. There was a lot of missed throws. Hopefully that's back on track. Um, obviously Kenneth Walker had a great game. Jaden Reed had a great game. Trey Mosley continues his um, constant, you know, just he keeps getting better and better uh, this season, especially. And, and he's been awesome to watch. Um, Connor Hayward, more like forward. Shout out Emily Sheeran for that just tremendously terrible joke. But um, yeah, I, I guess outside of Reed and Walker, what, what really stood out to you on the offensive side of the ball against, again, a, a pretty porous Western Kentucky defense, but I, I think anytime you put up 48, uh, you got to take a little bit of notice. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before on previous episodes, but I think 
we need to make sure we're not overlooking Peyton Thorne's performances. Um, he ranks 12th in the country in quarterback rating, um, or passer rating, I should say, not QBR. Um, and that's everyone. I mean, that's 1,200 yards. He's got 11 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. He's taken eight sacks, but in large part held on to the ball. I think he's got maybe one lost fumble this season. Um, he tried to have another one. You mentioned before we started recording oh that, that fumbled snap where he just kind of grabbed it, turned to, to Walker next to him, and just like chucked the ball at his chest. And <laughs> thankfully, we jumped on it. But um, that's going to be one that's replayed about 35 times by Jay Johnson in the quarterback room this week of like, hey, Peyton, never do this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thankfully it worked out in our favor. Um, but no, in, by and large, in every game so far this year, Peyton Thorne has just had a phenomenal um, season so far. And I know that the competition's going to get tougher. I know Nebraska was probably his worst game and it was the toughest defense we've seen. So we'll have to see how he holds up against those better defenses, but um, he has, he can make all the throws. Obviously one of the bigger um, kind of negatives in this off season when we were going through the quarterback battle was whether he has the ability to make the deep throws and the accuracies on and off sometimes on those on the really deep ones, the bombs, but those mid range 15 to 30 yard uh, passes, he's becoming an automatic. Um, I mean, he's a bucket in those passes. He had the one you mentioned Jaden Reed with the stutter step. I mean, he threw that ball like 35 to 40 yards in the air uh, right on the target on time and on a rope and from the left hash to the right sideline. I mean, that is a long, throw to be making obviously Reed had a lot of room so he had a decent cushion to hit but he's making these throws that I don't think last year we saw from him you can see him moving through his reads really quickly he feels pressure really well and I know it can get lost with playmakers like Reed and Walker around him but um, this offense is still running through Peyton Thorne and he's making it look really good if he can get that completion percentage up a little bit with the deep throws and, and those short ones where he has a tendency to try to knock his you know, knock his players back on a five-yard hitch, I think you can really see this offense explode. And uh, in his legs, he really hasn't had to utilize them as much as I think we could be using them. Um, so that's even another wrinkle that maybe is, is waiting in the wings. So I just want to make sure we, we aren't overlooking him because he makes this offense tick. And, and he, I mean, he's looked, if you ask me how I thought Peyton Thorne would look through five weeks, let's say, six, eight, 10 weeks ago, I would have said, you know, good game manager kind of finding his footing. He's, he's comfortable. He found his footing and he's, he's thriving in this offense. So I think um, it's going to be another big season for him. Obviously he has some years uh, to go. I think he has two years after this to continue playing. So he's a redshirt sophomore now. He's going to have his moment as the star. Maybe this isn't his season to take the headlines, but I think we're in great hands as we look ahead throughout this season and into the next couple of years with him. Yeah, he had 16, 16 and a half yards per attempt at halftime. And it, that came back down to earth a little bit in the second half as they're kind of dinking and dunking and, and working the clock a little bit. But yeah, I mean, explosive passing uh, there, there was a couple runs that he had. He added a touchdown on the ground this week. He's second in the conference in total touchdowns, uh, with I think 13 on the year so far with, between passing and rushing touchdowns. It's, 
really fun to see how he's developed, you know, coming out of that Penn State game to finish the year last year. Remember that second quarter, he had three touchdown passes and, you know, again, fell back down to earth a little bit in the second half, but showed glimpses of, of what could be. And, and this season, he's really taken that job um, and ran with it. I, I mean, he's, his grasp of the offense is, is just so impressive. You can see how comfortable he looks. Um, going up to the line of scrimmage every play. Defensively, I want to start with Cal Holiday because not only I, I want to at least mention the the hit and the ruling, but the the impact on next week is going to be really interesting. So Cal Holiday obviously ejected for the targeting. He will be out for the first half against Rutgers. Chase Klein is already in the transfer portal, which means that we're going to see somebody else starting next to Quaveras Crouch, be that Noah Harvey, be that Ma'anauteote, who had a huge hit in, I think it was the fourth quarter, as the game was winding down, he laid the hammer down on somebody, uh, be it Ben Van Summeren, somebody's going to have to go and fill that spot for at least a half. Um, Cal Holiday, I mean, it, I, I would imagine that most people have a problem with the ruling on the field there. Uh, I've talked about it a million times, maybe not necessarily on the podcast, but they have to go to some kind of tiered system or, or whatever it might be to fix this because should he have gotten a penalty? Probably. Should he have gotten 15 yards? Probably. I'm fine with that. But ejecting a kid, making him miss the first half of the next week's game for a hit that I don't think was malicious, I don't think was intended to, you know, he, it wasn't helmet to helmet. It was, it, it, it's just really frustrating. And I think a lot of college football fans feel the same way. I think it's a rule that needs to be fixed. But here we are uh, in this situation. I, who do you expect to step up at linebacker? Do you expect it to be a weakness the first half of next week that Rutgers can exploit? Or is it a position where we've built up enough depth that, that you feel pretty comfortable going into the first half of next week? I'm not particularly comfortable. Uh, we have a lot of options. Uh, you have Ma'anateote finally got on the field a little bit last week, laid the wood on, on one guy, I think it was the fourth quarter. Uh, but I don't think he's really ready to run the offense, or defense, excuse me. Um, you mentioned Chase Klein has, has moved on. You've got Ben Van Summeren back there, who has been one of the heavier, um, I guess, guys in the snap chart behind the top line. But, again, I don't know if his game is well-rounded enough to trust him in a three-down situation. Honestly, from what we saw in the second half and just what I think will probably happen, I'm expecting to see a lot of Noah Harvey, which after last year, I know there's probably a lot of mixed feelings about that, um, especially from my co-host here. But uh, he, I mean, at the end of the day, he ran the defense for a year. Uh, he was kind of, I mean, we don't have a quote-unquote middle linebacker, but it does seem like that Cal Halliday, Noah Harvey side of the ball is, um, is kind of that middle linebacker leader, quarterback of the defense role. And Harvey did that for a season. So, I mean, I think he'll know where he needs to be. He'll know his gap responsibilities. He'll know how to align his defensive line. And, and Quaveras Crouch, I'm sure, still needs a little bit of help with alignments and just reading the, the offense. So I think it'll probably be Noah Harvey. Um, if there is, I guess, a silver lining to that, it's that Rutgers likes to run the ball. 
and Noah Harvey's certainly better against the run than in coverage. They don't have the athletes in the passing game that we've seen against other teams, so I don't think we'll be asking him as much in coverage, asking as much of him in coverage as maybe some of these other opponents. Um, and it's, But it is something that Scotty Hazleton's going to have to keep in mind. Cal Halliday's, I think, still a top 10 coverage linebacker, according to Pro Football Focus, in the country. And coverage is certainly Noah Harvey's weak point. Um, so that's a big gap to fill. Uh, whether we can scheme around it or whether we just kind of throw our dudes out there and, and, and hope for the best, we'll see. Um, but it's a half of football. You know, keep the offense out maybe a little bit longer if you really think it's a weakness. Try to hold on to the ball a little bit more. Keep the defense uh, off the field. We'll see. But, yeah, Noah Harvey, Kevin, comeback game. Uh, <laughs> no comment. No, I, he was I, – I will say he had a couple nice plays uh, in this Western Kentucky game. He was the man in coverage on a touchdown that they scored. Uh, it was a touchdown pass off a of play action in the red zone. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, like you said, I, can he fill in against Rutgers? I, I think he'll he'll be okay. I would prefer it to see Nauteote or or um, or Ben Van Summeren just because the ceiling is higher there. But you know, I, it's one half of play. I, I think he could he could pass. He could he could get a passable grade uh, on that. But other than him, I, Jacob Panishuk had another great game. Two more sacks to add to his total of seven already on the year. He's had an awesome season. Angelo Gross with 16 tackles, uh, 11 solo tackles uh, on top of that. You had, uh, I thought Ronald Williams and Chester Kimbrough both played pretty solid games all in all. You know, we were kind of talking about it. Western Kentucky ran up some passing yards. I mean, they have 488 yards, three touchdowns, 72% completion, but to me, I, I just kept going back and I'm like, I, I don't think really our corners are just getting beat. It was just a really well-schemed offense that the receivers were finding these little pockets in our zone and the quarterback knew exactly where to go with the football every time. And they generated a lot of yards between the 20s and we ended up shutting them down in the red zone, which is what we mentioned before the game was the key, right? We know that this Western Kentucky team can put up yards and can move the ball, but can we shut them down in the red zone? We did. It worked out. Uh, the game plan was successful. They scored 31 points, but you know when when you know your offense is going to score 48, especially the way we put them away in the first half, um, I, I think we we're all generally okay with that. So that said, I think the secondary played pretty well. Um, there was only really one notable time that I, it was Chuck Brantley got beat off the line of scrimmage, got beat deep. And then, you know, tried to, to come out and punch the ball, got carried another five, six yards towards the goal line. Um, but there wasn't really too many occurrences where it was just, hey, this is man coverage. You got beat by the wide receiver and, and the quarterback threw it. To, like, that didn't really seem to happen very much. It was a lot of these little soft zone, find the pocket, find the hole and, and hit the receiver. So I thought the, the corners played pretty well. Um, and Angelo Gross is really finding his footing at free safety. I think he's, he's really starting to feel more comfortable back there after kind of changing from a slot corner, slot DB type of guy to a true free safety. 
Uh, he's really figuring out his role back there. He's playing really well in coverage. He's, he's coming up and making tackles. He's missed a couple tackles this year, but, you know, he, he's a playmaker kind of guy. And, and you're going to get production on the ball. You're going to get forced turnovers. Um, so you, you'll live with a couple missed tackles there because of the plays that he's going to make over the course of the year. But anybody else stand out to you on the defensive side? Any other, you know, big kind of takeaways from that side of the ball? Well, I wanted to see with Drew Beasley out how the defensive line would respond with a full game. Uh, Jacob Panashuk continues to stay hot. Uh, he's on a roll right now as one of the top uh, edge rushers in the Big Ten. Um, obviously, the opponents, again, will get harder, and he'll have a taller task against Big Ten tackles. But he's certainly stepped up in Drew Beasley's absence. Maverick Hansen got in there for a sack. Just all in all, the defensive line has really consistently produced, regardless of who's on the field. Jalen Hunt didn't get home, but he had a few flushes outside the pocket that ruined plays this past weekend. And I really like uh, that unit making it the lives of the rest of the team easier. Um, but all in all, I mean, I just I don't have any specific players, but just this defense as a whole, I just want to note the bend don't break style. We've we've talked about it before. It can be frustrating at times. You mentioned they had almost 500 passing yards, almost 600 total yard offensive yards against us uh, this past weekend against you know a team that's it's mid range group of five team, um, and and that could raise some eyebrows. But at the end of the day. You mentioned the soft zone coverage and, and kind of digging your heels in in the red zone is it's working for us. We're giving we're 12th in the country in opponents points per play. Um, we are 10th in the country in opponents yards per point. Um, so we're, we're letting teams move the ball and we're taking away those big shots. I mean, I can't think of a play where we gave up a home run. You mentioned there were a couple against Northwestern. Chuck Brantley had one this weekend. There have been a few where somebody leaks behind and we track them down for a big 40-yard gain. But I don't think we've given up a home run yet this season where somebody just gets behind the whole defense for a long touchdown. Um, and, and that'll keep you in games for a long time. It wears out the offense, honestly, whether mentally or physically. It's just tiring to chip your way down the field against a defense like this drive after drive after drive. And, uh, and it's working and say what you want about the fact that we got outscored 15 to six in the second half of this game. Obviously, you know, you come into halftime at 42 to 16, you don't want to win the game 48 to 31. It just leaves a little bit of a sour taste. Um, the whole second half was kind of sputtering, but honestly that happens in most games like this. Um, the score started sneaking up on us. We, we, I was watching with a few friends, and it, it was like most of the second half, I kept saying, like, all right, we're going to take out the starters soon. And then they scored, and I'm like, all right, well, time, time to take out the starters. And then it was like midway through the fourth quarter, and I'm like, yeah, why is Peyton Thorne still in this game, man? Like, dude, we're just risking injury at this point. And somebody's like, dude, it's a two-score game. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess it, <laughs> I guess we kind of should keep the starters in. There's like 10 minutes left in a two-score game. Like, it just kept kind of sneaking up on you throughout that, like, second half. You know, they yeah. scored two touchdowns pretty early in the fourth quarter. Um, or else I think we would have seen Anthony Rousseau. I think we would have seen some of them, some more of the backups. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you hung on for a win, and, and you'll always take that. But I, I, I do agree there was something to that second half where you're like, eh, 
I would have liked to see us just kind of keep that stranglehold and win the game by three plus scores. But hey, you win a game by 16 at home. I can't complain too much, right? Yeah, right. And and it's hard to keep focus no matter who you are. Um, not everybody can be Alabama and win every game by 70. Um, those kinds of games, you take that big of a lead in at a half, you kind of half expect kind of a result like that in the second half. Mel Tucker wasn't happy about it. It's a great coaching game, right? You get a big, easy win, but also you have a lot to yell at your team about for the next week. Um, perfect for him and his staff, uh, Mel Tucker, that is. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much everything I've got on the defensive side. I will say, just back to the offense, one more note I had. We are kind of struggling to run the ball up the middle. Uh, this is a game that I really wanted to see the inside zone and the inside power game kind of come to life. And we had success on the ground. I know we had almost 200 rushing yards. But by and large, in most of our games this season, we've our offensive line has struggled to assert their dominance. And in this game, you saw us try to do it in the third quarter. We wanted to keep the ball on the ground. There was one drive early in the third. I think it was our first drive of the half. We went three and out. We ran the ball three times. We went three and out. We couldn't pick up 10 yards. And that's something to keep an eye on as we build leads um, in, in future games against better opponents. Um, every team wants to be able to just have the offensive line get a three, four yard push and, and move the ball down the field and drive on the ground to, to control that clock. And Kenneth Walker, they call him the eraser for a reason. He's, he's made them look good at times, but um, we're struggling uh, on the offensive line in the run game. They're holding up in the passing game. They're doing enough to get Kenneth Walker some space. But if you're looking for weaknesses on this offense and things that could potentially come back to haunt us, you look at this second half, uh, they tried to run the ball, couldn't get a push. We had to go back to passing the ball to get some more points on the board and stay comfortable in this one. And that's something that I'm sure the coaches are a little bit wary of and, and frustrated about. So keep an eye on that. We did have our second string line in quite a bit this game, but I'm not so sure that's not because the first string wasn't performing to the degree that the coaches wanted them to be uh, as much as it was just getting the guys other snaps. So. Um, that's a note to keep an eye on. Rutgers has a decent front seven, so uh, they'll they'll have their their work cut out for them this week. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what you said about when we're choosing between Kenneth Walker and Jaden Reed, right? And it's, well, Kenneth Walker brings so much more to this offense because he makes somebody miss every play. So like you said, well, you know, the ending rushing total might look pretty good. A lot of it is because Kenneth Walker is doing a lot of work by himself. And, you know, it's it's going to be tough to keep that up over the course of an entire season. Not many running backs have that type of ability to just constantly make people miss. And he's shown that through five weeks, but it's a long season, man. He's going to need some help. He's going to need some some holes to open up and and have some opportunities to run 10, 15 yards without any contact rather than getting the contact two yards after the line of scrimmage and then running 15 yards because he breaks two tackles, right? So that is definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, last things before we get out of here, uh, we didn't really bring this up. It was a segment that we started last week and I want to make sure we keep it going. We've got our play of the game. We've got our game ball. Scott, I'll, I'll send it over to you. Which one do you want to start with? Play the game, game ball. Where are we going? 
Uh, let's go play of the game first. Um, I think I had the same thing last week, but uh, the play of the game this week, getting getting the boys started here, was the Jaden Reed punt return for me again. Electric. It felt like watching the home stretch of a horse race, and that may also be because the commentator sounded like he was a, a race commentator. Um, quirky guy. I was a little worried when I saw them pop up on the broadcast. I was like, oh boy, we're in for it. But they were entertaining. They did their job as the BTN alternate guys. You can't have too high expectations expectations but um yeah I mean that was just it really highlighted Jaden Reed's athleticism his vision he he really does seem to have a knack as a returner maybe that's even a place he could find himself in the NFL uh returning kicks I think it's a good role for him um just a gadget player and uh can do it all and you saw it all on that return and, and shout out the coverage guys or the the blockers as well um you know play like that doesn't happen without good blocking so yeah that's my play I, of the game I had the same play. I mean, when you're looking at a, a kind of blowout, a pseudo blowout, if you will, um, you're going to be looking early in the game for what kind of broke it open. Because you took that one, I'll, I'll take the other Jaden Reed touchdown because I think time-wise, right, we, were, we had scored those. We had the punt return touchdown and then the Kenneth Walker five-yard run um, a little bit later on in the quarter. And then Western Kentucky, they moved the ball down the field. They got into the red zone. They got a chip shot field goal. And then you had the Jaden Reed 46-yard touchdown. He had that stutter step on the sideline to go in, make it 21-3 to kind of late in the first quarter. And if you're looking for the one that really, like, broke Western Kentucky's back, so to speak, early in the game, I think that was the point where Michigan State knew we were going to win the game where the fans were like, all right, this is going to be a fun blowout. Um, so that one just kind of keeping that momentum rolling forward in a high-scoring game. I'll, I'll take the other Jaden Reed touchdown here off the board and, and give that my play of the game. Uh, game ball. Last week we had a punter and a defensive tackle getting the game balls, uh, you know, showing our Big Ten love for the podcast with Jacob Slade and Bryce Berenger getting the inaugural standing room Spartans game balls. Uh, Scott, who is getting your game ball for week five? Yeah, I think this one's got to be on the offensive side of the game that we saw. You could pretty much uh, close your eyes and throw a dart uh, to pick a guy here. We had great performances from, uh, from Thorne, from Reed, from Walker again. But uh, this is a game ball, not necessarily player of the game, but the guy that, that really wowed you and, uh, and maybe the guy that you want to give a little extra motivation to. And I'm giving it to Jalen Naylor this week. Uh, he's been quiet throughout the, the first four games and finally broke out. He paced the team with eight receptions, also with 128 yards. Didn't find the end zone, but he had a few flash plays, and he's really starting to get involved. I think the coaching staff we were talking about this probably schemed towards him a little bit in this game knowing we were going to have some options here and, and knowing we need to get him hot. Um, and he had a great game, and you could see his confidence rose, his body language improved, he was excited to be making plays, and his team was rallying around him. So game ball, Jalen Naylor, hopefully he'll keep up that production and we'll have a really well-rounded offense going forward. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with the other receiver here. I'll go with Jaden Reed. I mean, when you – make this big of an impact with this few times as he touched the ball. I mean, on the offensive side, he had five touches for 134 yards and a touchdown in the return game. He added two kick returns for 63 yards. It's a 31 yard average. 
the 188 yard punch to, punt return touchdown. It, this guy impacts the game everywhere. The defense has to key on him because he's he's such a special player and. I hope that we get to see him around East Lansing for another couple of years, but um, I, I think the NFL might be calling very soon uh, with, with a playmaker of his abilities. So um, I'll go with the, the kind of chalky pick here. I think Jaden Reed had it just a huge, huge impact on this game, especially early, you know, where the game was still, it, it was still early. It was still, nobody really knew how it was all going to play out. And, and he came out and broke the game open with two touchdowns in the first quarter. Um, I, I'll go Jaden Reed for the, uh, for the second game, Paul. So two wide receivers this week uh, with, with Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor each receiving a game ball for their performances. I, I do think the Jalen Naylor pick is a good one. Um, he had a couple big plays. To, it was nice to finally see that rhythm, man. It, something was missing there. And, Hopefully we can keep this connection going all year long because if, if you get both of those receivers humming and, and you get the quarterback on the same page with both of them, obviously we know the, the connection that Thorne has with Reed. If you get something similar with Naylor on the other side, this offense becomes incredibly difficult to, to even slow down, let alone stop. So two wide receivers with the game balls. And uh, Jaden Reed with both plays of the game uh, in two different plays. So uh, good, good day for the playmakers, I guess. Anything else before we, we get out of here and, and let the people have, have themselves a, a Monday and the start to the week? No, nope. next game I will be in the stands. I will be right behind MSU's bench in uh, SHI Stadium down in Piscataway, New Jersey. So finally, finally, after I think a three-year hiatus, going to see the boys in live action. So hopefully we'll have, have a good Saturday here. We'll be breaking it down as the weeks go on, uh, as the week goes on. And uh, we'll have our picks out. Kevin mentioned we had a great week. Kevin went 6-0. and Me and the fans went 5-1. and We're still... Uh, in lockstep in the standings here. I think I am behind you and the fans by a point. But in any case, uh, we're rolling here, and, and the season keeps rolling along. Yep, and, and like I said earlier, uh, apologies again for, for this couple weeks here of, of kind of wacky scheduling, of, of not great audio. We really appreciate you guys sticking with us. Starting in the fall, the next podcast on Wednesday will be back to normal. Uh, I'll be back home. Uh, everything will be kind of our, our normal schedule, our normal equipment. Uh, everything will be back and fine. Like I said, I got a long day of travel ahead of me today, uh, but I'll be back home and, and ready to keep pushing this podcast out. And we really appreciate all the support. Follow us uh, on social media. You can just click on the episode of wherever you're listening to the podcast and the links are there to follow us on Twitter. Uh, and make sure you're subscribed. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts and can take five seconds out, leave us a quick review. We really appreciate that. Uh, Spotify doesn't have it. So if you're so inclined to go to Apple and leave us a podcast and take the extra like eight seconds, that would be even more appreciated. Uh, but you guys are the best. You're the reason that we keep pumping this thing out. You're the reason that DraftKings has, has found us for some reason as, as worthy of, of their promotion. So I uh, really appreciate the support. We'll keep this thing rolling. Hope everybody has a good Monday. Hope everybody has a great week. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.